Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, we continue on with our series. Uh, this is part eight today. We have looked at, uh, up to today, eight questions that deal with our spiritual life, and they're very vital ones. And some of them are a little bit uncomfortable as we talk about why our prayers aren't answered the way we think they should be. Or why do we have so many problems? Or, uh, and then other issues that go along with that. Well, today is another sort of penetrating question and maybe a little uncomfortable, but I think very practical and needed is how can I control my anger? Now, hopefully none of you turn into the incredible hope uh, when you get angry. Uh, if you don't know what that is, well, that's all right. But uh, uh, the incredible hope uh, turns from a regular fellow when he gets mad, he just turns into a monster. Uh, I hope none of you do that. But in case you do, don't leave. Uh, maybe something we, uh, don't get mad at me, especially. But uh, uh, listen, let's all realize that anger is something that we all deal with, whether we're young and strong or whatever. There's a, an account of a lady who she had, had a nice Cadillac, a nice big Cadillac, and she was driving to the grocery store. And uh, of course, she, you know, she was. Uh, like to get as close as possible. So she saw one spot way up toward the front. So she buzzed around and came up. And right as she got ready, she kind of swung out and getting ready to come in. And a little red car zipped in right in front of her. And out jumped an able-bodied young man, maybe 20. And he saw the lady and he says, Oh, to be young and fast. And boy, she was angry. He walked off, but he turned around quickly when he found her ramming her car into that little red car and smashing it to a matchbox. And she rolled down the window and says, Oh, to be old and rich. And, uh, so whether you're young and fast or old and rich or somewhere in between, we all deal with anger because the world around us is just an angry place. Now, it's, you know, it's always been anger and hatred in the world. But it just seems like there is a it's all ramped up, like we're on continual road rage. All across society, everybody's protesting and complaining about something. And they're doing it vehemently, uh, with, and uh, really just crossing the lines and crossing over into personal space and protection and rights. You and I cannot cure all the, the nations, and much less the world's anger problems. But we can't deal with ours. It's going to happen. You're going to be provoked. It's, I mean, unless you are just dead walking around, you know, like a, a walking dead or something, you're going to be irritated by something because it's just all over the place. But we need to make sure that we reflect the love of Christ. Because remember, we are created in the image of Christ. So whatever happens, and that, this is the first time I'm just sort of throw it out front, and I'm going to close that because that be my point is that we look at this issue and, and focus on that. Uh, 
But you'll see here a scripture verse. Now this verse here kind of gives us some clarity about anger, both proper and improper, or appropriate and inappropriate. Last week we talked about good guilt and bad guilt. Well, uh, today it's appropriate anger and inappropriate anger because it does appear, according to scriptures, that the emotion of anger can be not a sin. How do I know that? Well, Ephesians 4.26 says this, In your anger, what? Do not sin. So that means you must be able to be angry and not sin, or else you wouldn't have been there. But then it goes on, says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Well, what anger is, it is an emotion. It's an emotion. Um, I came across this definition. Anger is your God-given capacity to respond to a wrong that you think is important. It always expresses two things. One is, it's something that you're, that's important to you, that you, that's valuable to you. And then you feel there is a wrong or injustice associated with it. God gives us that emotion, just like he gives love, whatever. You know, love is the most talked about and written about emotion in the Bible. Can you guess what the second one is? Anger. Over 500 references to anger. So, God obviously realizes that anger can get out of control. Even God has anger. He has wrath, and we'll talk about that some. Of course, God, just in case you're wondering, God is perfect, he's holy, and he's just, and he never sins. So he can do that. But anger for us, we need to be very cautious because it really needs to be sort of like a, a, a passionate infusion of energy to accomplish something good. Anger should, help, should cause you to be processed to address an injustice or wrong to bring about good. So anger is helpful. Now, that's about all I'm going to say about the positive aspects of anger because 95% of us have, you know, our anger is not processed right. So let's address that issue uh, very clearly. First of all, let's look at some levels of anger. Now, you can come up with dozens of different ones. This is just six that I've kind of come across here. Number one is irritation. All of us here have just, are just discomfortable and comfortable with some, something somebody says or something that's happening or some situation. And that, that happens to all of us. Mature Christians are a lost person. You're still going to irritate. The second one is indignation. Now, you may have heard that. Uh, some of you have been in church a long time. You've heard of God's righteous indignation. That's a term we often use to kind of justify our anger. It's righteous indignation. But uh, it can be. But indignation basically means in, not, dignified. That means you're not giving respect. You're dissing somebody. You're disrespecting somebody. And you, it's a disgruntled. You get disgruntled over something that's an injustice. Third is, and this is where the red flags start coming up. The first two is very common, and we can pretty much deal with that. But if we don't process it there, at number one and two, then before we know it, we're going to be infuriated which is provoked. That means someone or some act, act, action is causing a response in you. Now that response can be righteous. But often, if we don't control it, if we don't focus on God's word, 
that will, will rise up with anger, frustration, vengeance, wrath, and those types of things start coming forth. And that's where we move next is to wrath. That's a burning anger. God is probably maybe the only one who can actually carry out wrath without sin. Now, there may be some cases that, as, as Christians, that we can have wrath. But if you think of wrath, it has the idea of vengeance or paying back something. When we have a tendency, when we fight, like I've, I've said this story before, if someone steals one of my sheep, well, I'm going to steal four pieces. He slaps me, I'm going to beat him to a pulp. You see, we have a tendency to overkill. Now, I wouldn't do any of those things. But, you know, that's the tendency is, you know, when we pay somebody back, you know, we, we usually just don't make equal retribution. We have a tendency to want to punish them. Well, you and I don't really have the right to punish. That's God's place. He specifically says, vengeance is mine. He's not talking about you. He's talking about his. So we got to do that. Uh, Fury, the next one, and that's not the name of the, uh, the head of the... Uh, the movie has a movie with Fury. His name's Fury in it. But fiery anger. That's when you start to get you really out of control. I mean, you just start to blow your top. And then that quickly can move into rage, which is a consistent, blazing, just consuming anger. You may have found yourself in that situation, some of you married couples, with your spouse at times. You're raging. Or your spouse or somebody or a parent or a child or a child reflected that. Or in a, in a worker situation, a lot of times we do that. And then you see that in a lot of these protests, and the protests in, in, are not sinful, but some of these protests around the world and in the United States, it's just a burning rage that literally burn cars and wreck things. Now, I understand the injustice in the world, but that's not the way to do it in a biblical sense. You talk about a worldly sense, that's natural and normal. It's not unusual for them to do that if you're lost in Europe and you, because you don't have any control. But we, are those who are Christians, or those of you here that are you know, thinking about being Christians and you, you understand that, we need to be careful with that. So we need to deal with these things. Well, let's get the sources of anger before we get to some steps. And you see on the left is a little diagram there. Anger is only one letter short of what? Danger. So, we need to raise some danger flags. Now, I've just picked four here today. Uh, there's lots of reasons why you get angry, but these sort of summarize it. And I've got some biblical examples to kind of help you to see how that fits, and then maybe you can see how these things work. Number one is hurt. You're wounded about something. Now, the story you see here is the sons of Jacob. Remember last week? Was it last week or week before I talked about Joseph and his coat of many colors? Maybe two weeks ago. But... Uh, he was one of 12 sons of Jacob, who was later named Israel. So the 12 tribes of Israel, it's really Jacob, so, which is the, the, the grandson of Abraham. Well, he had 12 sons. The verse literally says that Jacob loved Joseph more than his brothers. I mean, it literally says that in the scriptures. And then it goes on after that and says his brothers were infuriated and have nothing good to say about him. So, now we could blame Jacob, which we probably should, and uh, we can blame the brothers, which we can too, and we can blame Joseph. But the issue here is they were hurt because somebody that they thought was valuable just didn't love them as much as somebody else. You're hurt. 
So there, and there's lots of things. Some of you have been hurt in your life, maybe by someone who loves you or supposedly loves you. And we've all been hurt by people that are just outside of God's will and, and lost. But hurt is one of those. Number two is fear. Fear can drive you and can be easily turned into anger because there's this idea of threat. You're being threatened. And, you know, of course, the old idea of fight or flight, you know, you know, either fly away or you fight out. We have a tendency sometimes to, to when we get afraid, to, to fight out. The example here is King Saul. In 1 Samuel, King Saul was the first king of Israel before David. David was the second one. But King Saul, well, David, before he was king, was one of his commanding officers in the military. And I'm talking about he was Pat and MacArthur and all the other ones rode in together. I mean, he was fantastic. And he rode in one day into, into town, probably on a white horse, which was the common thing. And people started shouting, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Now, you can see how well that would go over. Saul heard that, and man, he was angry and afraid that this upstart young brave soldier was going to take his place. And so that fear turned into anger, which then uh, identified itself in injustice. So we continue with King Saul, keep David in the picture, but let's put Jonathan in the middle. Now you wonder, who's Jonathan? Well, Jonathan is King Saul's son, the crown prince, the one who should be taking all the road to all kingdom after this. Well, it just happened to be that Jonathan and David were best of buds. I'm talking about brothers and all. They just cared and loved each other greatly in a great relationship. Well, Saul, because he was so afraid of David, allowed anger and hatred to take over and began to act unjustly towards David. I mean, treating him unjustly, just treating him badly, disrespecting him, and threatening him. Jonathan, being a friend, a close friend of David, plus just upset with his father acting this way, it says that he became infuriated over the injustice of what was happening. So, all three were involved in this. King Saul was in his actions. But see, is your actions can trigger, trickle down, uh, trickle down economics. It can trickle down to other people and cause anger, frustration, and fear and problems. So sometimes we think, well, I'm just mad about this. I'm going to let it out. Well, tendency is when we let it out, you know, other people get hurt or get caught up in this. So injustice is one source of anger. Now, it can actually be a righteous source. You know, if, if we see an injustice, we see like abuse, a child abuse, or spouse abuse, or, you know, genocide, or uh, uh, prejudice or bias. We should be infuriated about that. But, a, but an infuriation that causes us to provoke us to do what is right and bring justice. Because remember, in, the, in Micah 6 it says, we are to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. Those, that's what we need to go for. And then the fourth uh, source is frustration. You just don't live up to somebody's expectations. Now, in this case, God's involved in it. We find right at the beginning of the Bible, and this actually, four, uh, four, chapter 4, is the first reference to anger in the Bible. The last one's in Revelation, so you can see it covers the whole gamut. Well, 
Adam and Eve married, well married, I guess they married, you know, I guess you know, they had a marriage for God, and then they had children, two of which were Cain and Abel. Now, somehow or another, God must have instructed them or called upon them to bring an offering, a sacrificial offering of worship. Well, Abel brought, went out and got one of the, his finest unblemished lambs, sacrificed it and made a blood offering to the Lord out of purity of his heart. Cain, on the other hand, now, I don't know his reasons because the Bible doesn't give it. We can try to interpolate what all we want, but the case is he brought some vegetables. Now, maybe he was a vegan. I don't know, but uh, he brought vegetables. And my sneaking suspicion is it was last week's leftovers, left vegetables, that it kind of dried up. But whatever it is, he brought those and he, and he offered it to the Lord. Well, God graciously accepted Abel's sacrifice. But then he looked at Cain and says, man, that's pitiful. Now, he didn't say that. But, you know, he, he just said, this is unacceptable. And if you should have been like your brother and done the right thing. Well, Cain was frustrated over his lack of being accepted. And that frustration played out and eventually... He came to a place where he murdered his brother in anger. You see, anger can have disastrous effects, even on people who supposedly follow God. We have to be careful. So with those things, we've looked at the levels, looked at sources. Let's look at just some last step of, of practical things that you and I need to do to deal with this anger issue. And it may be that most, some of you have it pretty well under control. But I am positive you know somebody in your life that doesn't have it under control. And that you can model these steps and help them to, to realize they can release that. Just like last week we talked about releasing guilt. You know, that's a great gift. If you can help people release that anger, you give them peace and freedom. That's a great gift. So let's look at the first one. You've got to realize your anger. You need to be aware of your emotions. You need, you need to kind of get, get in touch with yourself. Now, I'm not talking about all kind of crazy stuff. But you need to be in touch with your feelings. And if you're hurt about something, if you're angry about something, if you're feeling passionate about something or you're fearful, you need to keep in touch with yourself. There's nothing weak about that. That's actually a strength to be able to uh, analyze your emotions. Emotions are gifts from God. But the, any gift can be misappropriated and misused if we don't follow God's protocol that I've been talking about all these weeks. His plan, what the Bible lays out, that's if we believe God created all things and that he's wise and just and perfect, then obviously he would have the best plan for whatever we need to deal with if we just follow that. So realize your anger. That means to accept it. Now, up in the right-hand corner, I actually just put those in this morning. Uh, uh, the, the kind of step to deal with it is this first level is of irritation and, and, and uh, indignation and infuriated before it gets down to the further ones. This, this is four ways that you can kind of deal with it. Number one is just suppress it. You know, just out of the sheer will of your power, say, I am not going to get angry or I'm not going to get afraid. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to control it. That's just self-control. Lost people can have that. And we all should 
be willing to do that. But suppression is helpful temporarily, but all it does is just put it down, and then you still have to deal with it. You just suppress it. Next is to repress it. That's different. That means to hide it deep. You know, you suppress it, you just kind of push it off the side. But when you repress it, you push it way, way down deep. But it's still there. We need to, to look into that. And don't say that. What we need to do is process it. When your emotions come up, anger comes up, begin to process it and say, why am I feeling this way? And we'll look at some of those things in the next few steps. But process it. Then, and only then, should you express your anger. After you've processed it. Now, you shouldn't suppress it or repress it, but those are two ways to deal with it. But it's better than blowing up. But that doesn't help because eventually it's going to come back out. Number third is the key one. Process it, then express it properly. So when you, if, if you've done that, or you, let me say, if you haven't done that and you still, you're still dealing with that anger, you're processing it, it's just not working too good, what you need to do is admit any inappropriate anger in your heart and confess it as sin. That means you need to ask God to reveal any of that sin. And uh, at the last point here, ask God to help you see your sin as he sees your sin. Anger, inappropriate anger, is a sin. And we can't just brush it aside and say, well, that's, I'm human. That, that's just my emotion. That's my personality. That's just why I am. That's not an excuse. Admit, uh, another aspect is to admit to a, non, uh, a wise, non-judgmental friend or counselor about that anger. Share with them. Now, you need to be careful about who you pick. You don't want to get the neighborhood uh, blabbing mouth. But those of us who are believers, we need to be people of integrity and character so that people can feel comfortable sharing with us their anger, their, their failures, and that we understand. We don't condone it, but we don't condemn them right out. We accept them. We, we love them. We work with them. Because people have problems. Every one of you here, we all have some issue that we need to deal with. Maybe minor, it may be major. But if we can have someone walk along with us in that process to hold us accountable, what a difference it would make. Okay, so realize your anger. Second is revisit your root feelings. And this is why you need to ask yourself some questions. Your anger that comes up almost 100% of the time is based on some past experience, uh, good or bad, uh, normally bad, that brings up some issues. And so it's sort of flashbacks. You know, like we repress stuff and suppress stuff. That stuff is there. It's like fuel waiting to be lit. And once anger lights it, boom, all that repression and suppression comes back up. Ask yourself this question. When you get anger or, you know, you feel these feelings come up, do you feel hurt? Do you think it's because you rejected, betrayed, or loved, ignored? And, and begin to process all that with it. And then say, do you think it's injustice? Now, this is the one that uh, <clears throat> is often can be channeled into righteous indignation. If there's an injustice, either on somebody else's part or on yours, you have the right and the, the freedom to, to address that lovingly but firmly. But you need to, to know where it's coming from. First, do you feel fearful? If you're fearful and threatened, that could cause you to act out in ways you need to deal with. And then lastly, do you feel frustrated, inadequate, or inferior? All these things, they're different ways to 
according to which one of these is, you need to process it according to hurt. You know, not your frustration, but your hurt. Deal with that. And if you understand that, it just helps you to have a better grasp on what we do. And then pray this prayer right here from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to pray about those issues, bring them before the Lord, and realize that our emotions, our anger, our response matters to God. And it's important in our relationship with God and with one another. The next, and this is a tough, there's two or three here that are just really tough. Release your rights to the offense. Now, as Christians, you know, you know, if Adam hurts my feelings, you know, I kind of expect him to say, I'm sorry. You know, by the way, you say, I'm sorry. But he should say, I'm sorry. As a Christian, I can kind of expect that of him. But of a lost person or somebody that I don't really know, I would like to hear I'm sorry. But the chances of that, you know, are sort of 50-50. You must be willing to say, okay, I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I've been frustrated, or whatever. But you know what? I am releasing the obligation of that person to say, I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm still hurt about it, but I am going to release that and say, I'm not going to let, let you determine whether you say I'm sorry or not, determine how I feel. See, what I'm talking about here is, is you can't control what somebody does and says to you, but you can control how you respond. But you have to think about it, pray about it, process in advance. Because on the spot, and you're going to blow your top. Or else you're going to turn away and pass aggression, walk away. Just say, I don't care about you. But that's not the way we need to do it. We need to release that right. Release your right to dwell on the offense, to hold on to that offense, and to keep bringing it up. Some people, when somebody hurts them, man, you just keep reminding them, well, you remember this. A spouses often do this in relationships. Well, you remember this. You did this. Remember you did this 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago, you know. Uh, but don't keep bringing up defense. Now, you need to process and deal with it. But in this case, it's just bringing it up to irritate and to aggravate and to make somebody feel guilty. Somebody's hurt you or somebody's done something, so you're going to try to hold it over their head the rest of their life. Don't do that. Proverbs says, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter does what? Separates close friends. You see, if we don't release that and let it go, turn it on to the Lord, it's going to cause a, a wall of separation between us. Now, there already is some distance there because of the offense. But if you relax your guard, then there's only one wall up. And it's a lot easier to deal with. You've got two walls up, man. That's, that's tough to go through. Release that. Next, recognize your need to forgive and or be forgiven. Okay? Now, this is another tough one. Make a list of each of your hurts and then send dirty letters to each one of them. No. Release each one to the Lord. That's that's easier said than done. I was talking with somebody this morning about some issues like this. I said, it's easier said than done. But if you want to process your anger right properly, if you want forgiveness and reconciliation to be part of it, you've got to release your rights to, to hear that and then, then 
release the hurt to God. And this is another tough one. Pray for those who persecute you for whatever is broken in this. Now see, if you can think of this, when somebody hurts you, you ever read the book, Hurt People, Hurt People? People who are hurt, how are they going to respond? Normally, they want to respond by hurting others. If they're abused, they often become abusers. If they, you know, have, have, have had such things upon them, they have, it's not all the time, but it's very often this happens. If you can imagine the person who is saying or doing something bad or angry or frustrating you, just realize that's a broken person. They're hurt. They may have never been shown love like I was. They may not know what it means to be forgiven. They may not even have ever heard somebody say they're sorry. And they're just fighting for their life. It can change your attitude about how you see the situation. The issue is still there. I'm not, you know, you know, chicken little saying, you know, nothing's wrong here, pie in the sky kind of concept. But the problem is there. But you release it. You let it go. You offer forgiveness. Then thirdly, give your desire for revenge to God. Do not strike back retaliation. We don't need to, to feel like we have to retaliate. Now, that is a, an American quality, a bad one. But American quality is to ref, we reflect and to, re, uh, to uh, retaliate against someone for being wrong. That's sort of a trait we have. You do something wrong to me, I'm going to retaliate back. I'm going to correct myself. You know, I think if you hear people, you know, these comebacks, somebody will say something, boom, they come right back. They, they jacked up and then boom, back and forth. Who can, who can, uh, can, can condemn the, the most or who can make fun of the most? Don't get into that cycle of, of, of rebuttal. That doesn't mean you lay down just so people won't go with you. But you just release it and realize it says, you know, I don't have to defend myself. God has created me, loves me, and I'm worthy. I don't need your recognition, but I desire your fellowship and friendship. And then release those who hurt you to, into the hands of God. That means to forgive as God has forgiven. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, after he gave the Lord's Prayer and stuff, he said, if you do not forgive people their sins against you, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. Now, that's pretty clear. You know, it doesn't take a, a PhD in biblical theology to figure out what that means. We need to forgive. And that means we need to offer forgiveness even if the person doesn't deserve it. By the way, they, they don't deserve it. Just in case you wanted, you don't deserve it either. I don't deserve it. God forgave us, and we were unworthy. Sinners, he says, in our, in our sin, he forgives us if we follow his protocol, if we do the right things. So you release that. Colossians says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, the anger, the, the issues, the sources are still out there. They're going to keep coming. There's just irritating people in the world. They really are. None of you. Well, maybe one or two of you. But there's irritating people, and there's going to continually be irritating people and circumstances. There's going to be people who just drive too slow in the fast lane. And you're in a hurry. It's just going to happen. Somebody cuts in front of you and doesn't turn on their blinker like they're supposed to. You know, it's always something's going to happen. 
we have to be prepared in advance to process that and realize, you know, God, you know, life is more than whether I make it through this red light in time or not, or whether I get that place or get that. So recognize you need to forgive. And then this gets into some uh, better parts, but still a little challenging, is to rejoice in God's purpose for allowing your pain. Last week we talked about, you know, all this, the sufferings in the, in the past. We talked about that and, and, and realizing that, that trials and sufferings can produce spiritual maturity. Or it can turn us away. I said you need to press you closer to God or push you away. You make that choice. Same thing with anger. If you don't know God's character, purposes, and plans, man, you're going to be fired up. It's going to be very easy and natural to blow your top. And I think that a lot of the problem is with a lot of Christians is that they think they know how God is. And they think they know what the scripture says. But they only know part of it. And if they only know part of it, then you're missing possibly the most important section of that. That's why you need to have a full understanding. And I know it takes years to do that. But we just need to be seeking to know that God, number one, He's loving, he's caring, and he's merciful. Why? We ought to agree with that. But he's also just and holy and has the right to, to give out wrath and fury. So if you only want love, mercy, and forgiveness, and that's what you see God is, then when his justice comes out, when his holiness comes out, when his wrath comes out, you can say, oh, that's bad. But it's not. You may think it's bad. The world may think it's bad. How many times have you heard somebody say, if, if God is so good, how can he let all this evil happen in the world? Now, that makes perfect sense in a secular, humanistic world. But in a spiritual, biblical world, that is the dumbest question you could ever ask. I mean, it's just dumb. That means you don't know what the Bible says, if you say that. Or else you're allowing your emotions at that time, to override what you should know, and probably do know, I would get most all of you here, know these basics. God has the right to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, as long as he wants to do it. And he doesn't ask your opinion about it. And we must be okay with that. And if you're okay with that, that relieves a lot of burden. God's purposes. Remember Jeremiah says, I know the purposes I have for you to, to prosper you, to encourage you, to get the plans for a bright future. God is not out there trying to zap you and take away your joy. But if you're living in sin, and if you're following the, the ways of the world, then God is going to allow the consequences of that road to bear on you. It's not that he's making that happen to you. You're doing it. He says, if you do this, this is going to happen. You know, the, the, you know, there's consequences of action and reaction. And just because you're a Christian, you can't say, well, God, you need to take care of me better than anybody else because, you know, I'm your favorite child, like Joseph. You see my multicolored jacket, Toto? That's, that's, that's how foolish it is when we start thinking that we are the center of the universe. And I hate to bust your bubble, but you're not. And I'm not. And you know what? It's okay. Because I'm at the center of God's universe. And you're at the center of God's universe. And that's all that matters. 
Okay, so know his character, know his purposes, his plans. It really means you need to read the Bible. You need to study it, and you need to process that, and pray, share with others, and really come to a good grip. And that's why I've done so much study on the character of God. We did a whole year on each one, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and a lot of qualities to help you have to understand. We did the whole series on firm foundations before this happened, to lay that foundations. And therefore, rejoicing should cause us to be thankful. And this is where it gets a little tricky here. Easier said than done. But you've got to at least be thinking about it before you accomplish it. If you don't set a goal, you're very unlikely to reach it. So let's set a goal to thank God for the ways he's going to use this trial in my life for his glory. Now that's a very spiritual saying. But if we, don't, if, we, if we say that, sometimes we say that just as a trite religious expression. Say, oh, it's going to work out fine. Don't worry about it. And, and what you're doing is really saying, oh, yeah, you're not important. Just get over it. That's not, that's not what we need to say. This is true. God can you. Remember last week I said Romans 8, 28? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and call according to his purposes. That means all the troubles, all the trials, all the tribulations, all the anger, every hurt that comes on you. God can and will, if you allow him, to turn that into something good. Now that good may not be that you get that job or you get that parking spot or you get this, that spouse or whatever. It may be that God is simply honored and glorified by your proper response. You may, get, you may get nothing else out of it other than God. People see how you act and say, wow. I wonder if that, you know, that's, that's, that's because God. It, 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 it starts sparking within them or at least gives a, a little bit of a spark of hope. Second, thank God how he would use your resolve. And remember, we talked about unresolved, but your resolve to anger for the good of others. Remember last week? It was last week when I said, you know, when you're troubled in trials, God comforts us. And the scripture says, with the comfort you receive, comfort one another. Well, with the, resol with the resolve and the resolution that you have from God on your own anger, share that with others. Think what a gift it could be to share with a spouse or a family or a friend, a co-worker, or someone in the world the proper way to deal with anger so they can release that and live in peace. Wouldn't that be a wonderful gift for anybody to do? Third, thank God for the promise to restore you after a time of suffering. Now, this is where hope and faith comes in. The scripture says that God says, once you have suffered, you will receive glory. If you're... Uh, Downtrodden, you will be exalted. That means you believe that God is going to bring you back onto level ground at some point and at some time in the future. Now, that may be heaven, but you see, that needs to be enough. Even if, as I've said to this before, I've said it a while, but if God never does anything else good for me the rest of my life, I mean, nothing. Just let me just, just float out there. You know, I have no zero, negative zero, oh, it's such a thing, but the zero uh, reasons to blame God or to turn my back on him. Because he's already done so much immensely more than I deserve that covers the rest of my days. So if I'm sick, if I lose the family, if I lose this or that, that and everything goes against me, as Joe, you know, his, his wife said, you know, curse God died. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
You've got to believe those things. Now, it's hard. It's very hard. But it's doable if you will trust in the Lord, respect Him. Somebody disrespects you, does something harmful to you, don't rise up and provoke a response of retaliation, a response of love and faith. And then, restore the relationship when appropriate. Now, what I mean by that is, if you're, so let's say, uh, a husband and a wife, and you can be a child and a parent or somebody else like that, but let's say uh, the husband is just an abuser, a drunkard, an alcoholic, and just, it just does terrible things to his spouse and his children continues. Well, the spouse and the children should offer forgiveness for that husband. But you can't expect them to make right that relationship until that person repents and is restored. Now, you should see that. But you can't push, you shouldn't be pushing a wife or children back into a situation where there is unrepentant, ongoing abuse. That's, that's not a biblical fault. Now, that doesn't mean you break the relationship. It just means it needs to be a change. And you can offer forgiveness, release that, release the, the obligation for that person to say the sorry, and just say, okay, you know, I'm offering forgiveness, but I'm not jumping back into the nest until this is settled, until you straighten out. So that's what I'm talking about. But that's a small percentage, you know, small percentage. You know, like people who try to encourage the right of abortion, they say, well, what about the life of a mother? Well, the life of a mother is valuable. But that is such a small percentage of chances that it's, 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 it's insignificant in that, even though it's significant for the mother at that time, but it's, we need to be careful. But right now, 90% of the time, you need to seek restoration. That means you need to confess your anger to God and with the person you have either hurt or been hurt by. That means we need to go to that person that we've hurt or that we felt hurt by and lovingly and carefully begin to process that. But we need to be careful, like this is right here. Watch out for accusatory statements. Like when you go up to somebody and say, you did this to me, you did that. That's not going to work too good. I mean, you're not going to be happy about that. Nobody likes that. But you say, you know, you know, I, I really value our relationship, and I, I wonder, why did you say and do that to me? And I, I just feel hurt about it. Now, it's not weakness. It's just that you're letting compassion and love prevail rather than retaliation and my rights. It's something you've got to keep tamping down and turning over to the Lord and seeking. Then state your desire to be renewed to right reconciliation. We need to seek to reconcile. You know, some people hurt you and you just really don't want to forgive them. You just want to just let it go and just hate them all the rest of the time. Sometimes, you know, that... that that uh, it says revenge is sweet, you know, but it turns bitter in your mouth quickly. Uh, it just doesn't work. Forgive and seek reconciliation. But the thing is, even if that person or persons don't respond, you still respond properly. No matter what they do to you. Some of you may have heard of Victor Frankl, uh, a Jewish a uh, man who later became a well-known psychologist. When I did my psychology degree, I studied him a lot. Uh, he wasn't a Christian. 
He was a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, who believed in the Old Testament and did not confess Jesus. But in the Holocaust, in the prison camps, and he was he had been kind of going through his psychology studies already, he got put in prison. And he began to evaluate and look at the various people, all enduring the same torture and pain and suffering. Why did some give up and die? Why did others fight in anger? And why did others accept it and just trust? And he began to think about it. He says, because those persons had a hope and a future in something. Now, in his mind, he was thinking about God in the Old Testament, which is the same God that everything, but he's just only thinking that process. That if you have hope in something, if you have a, a, a joy, a, a trust in something, you can endure nearly anything. But if you don't have hope, if you don't have a security, just like an atheist, you know why you say there's no atheist in foxholes when the war is in the bed? It's, it's it, you know, when stress comes on, we have responsibility to respond correctly. So let's seek reconciliation. Then let's celebrate and receive that love. If you've hurt somebody or somebody's hurt you, receive that forgiveness from God. If you process it, you work through it, Let's say, you know, you and I have problems and you, you ask forgiveness, I ask forgiveness and we're back in fellowship. Accept that love. I'm not going to hold that over your head the rest of your life. And don't hold it over mine. Let's release that. And the best way to do that is to personalize Bible verses. Now right here in Jeremiah 33, Jesus said, God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Claim that verse. Because of your great love, I am not consumed for your compassion never fail there. You ever want to grace your faith. I say that nearly every every day. Say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness of my sins. And I claim this new day, I claim freshness and newness in you. Read scriptures daily on God's love. This is filling that, that, that firm foundation I've been talking about. It fills it in and gives you a solid foundation. Rely on the Lord to meet your needs. And then lastly, thank God every day for his unconditional love. If you will begin focusing more on your blessings than on your cursing, you will see a great difference. Now, I'm not talking about pop psychology and positive thinking. And it helps. But I'm talking about biblical thinking and, posit and positivity and hope and trust. We're placing in a God that we can trust, not in a job or another power. If you put your trust in a friend or a spouse or a family member, and you just set yourself up for disaster. And you set them up. Because you're expecting them to be God, and they can't be God. So trust in the Lord. And then lastly, and this is the last point, and I started off with it, reflect the love of Christ Jesus. That's really what it's all about. In everything you do, every, every business opportunity, every friendship, every encounter with work or business or hobbies or whatever you do, good experiences or angry experiences, it needs to be the bottom line is I want to reflect the love of Christ. That's what it's all about. That's simple. If we can just agree to that, then the process will grow from there. And pray this each day. Lord, may my heart be a reflection of your heart. May my mind be an expression of your mind, and may your will be an illustration of your will. Now, I know I've given you a lot of information today that's more kind of instructive today, but we need to be instructed on that. Now, Pastor Adam puts up my audio and my sermon notes on the line, online, so if you've missed all these points, you know, there's some listed here in the insert, our, our summary inserts inside here now. Uh, 
But if you want more than information, because really what I'm doing, I'm just kind of laying this out here. This is for you to work through. I can't fix you in 30 or 45 minutes that I have. But I can give you the tools that you, through the power of God, can begin working to accomplish this. So I want to encourage you. But it's time for our invitation and our commitment time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd like to ask you to say this prayer with me out loud. Now, some of you, it may not really be applicable to you. You've got your anger under control. You've got your hurt under control. But it's just an affirmation of what you put in practice. But it also may help the person next to you or around you who may be dealing with it, but may be feeling a little bit intimidated about saying it out loud. So let's just all together, quietly, verbally, respond to each one of my phrases in God's will. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I believe in your love. I believe you created us. I ask your forgiveness for any hurt or pain that I may have caused. I ask your forgiveness. And Lord, I offer forgiveness to those who have hurt and harmed me. I want to be reconciled to you, Lord. And I want to be reconciled to my brothers and sisters in the world. I believe in you. I receive your love. Now help me reflect that love for everyone I meet. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard of the message or read of the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.